Welcome to Tears of a Clown, the podcast. I'm Liv, and we're on episode 19 today. Did you miss me? Because I missed you all. It's been a month since our last episode. Let me tell you, I have just been enjoying my life. I have been reading so much. The time I spend on this Kindle is just insane, and I'm loving every second of it. Uh, I've been, you know, really consistently going to therapy, which has been a great investment. I've been spending a lot of time just with myself. I take myself out on dates every week, um, and now that's turned into not a one a week thing it's turned into like a twice a week thing and I've been cooking a ton so I've really been enjoying that I've tried a couple different things that you know I haven't actually made before and I'm loving them so they're like my favorite foods right now that I'm kind of rotating and you know just kind of living my life keeping it myself and it's been nice so I'm excited to come back and share something with you today that's going to be different from our previous episodes I really haven't gotten into career uh, and or financial stuff on the podcast but I put out a poll and let me tell you that was like the most engagement I've gotten anything podcast related uh, a lot of people wanted to know more about how to make more money and really pursue your dream career so I'm excited to talk to you a little bit more on the first half I think that figuring out the money side will give you realistic options to a career that's going to ensure that you have um, some of the things that are the most important and we'll talk a little bit more about what that looks like I'll share a bit more about my experience and hopefully you can walk away from this making some decisions now um you're getting this for free and you're getting it from someone who has proven success. So in the very least, I hope it can give you a perspective shift and um, it's not too far away. A lot of the times when I hear really successful people speaking, I can tend to be inspired, but also it feels very distant from my reality. So, you know, listening to, you know, an affluent business person talk about everything they've done might sound great and it might be like whoa that's a good mindset to adopt right and it's not that i don't think i can get that place it's just a different level of success of where than where i'm at whereas someone who's a couple degrees away from me i'm looking at them more closely because i'm like okay what are you doing so let's dive into it i started working when i was about 15 15 and a half and through the process i learned a lot and made a lot of mistakes now i began my career in a very normal fashion as any young person does i started working at a mom and pop coffee shop and my big sister worked there the one who's um, closest in age to me i have three sisters um so we you know spent a lot of time together doing that i didn't know what that was doing i was mostly useless but i tried and that's what mattered i put my heart into it and so I, i'm sure i was a bigger pain than i was a help <laughs> who really wants a 15 16 year old around when they're trying to actually get their jobs done but you know it was a good experience for me from there i ended up taking other smaller jobs so i had worked at a bike shop um hosted at a couple restaurants until i actually got my foot in the door with a franchise once i got my foot in the door with a new franchise that was opening up in northern california so it was actually going to be one of the first ones that i was going to help open uh that started to kind of change my career path now mind you when i worked at this place I, again, made a lot of mistakes. I was still very young. I think I was only 19 years old. But the difference was that I had a new opportunity that felt a lot more legitimate at that time. So once I got into the franchise, although it was 
by far probably my least favorite job I've ever had. Um, I was able to start to work really closely with these people who were running businesses. And a lot of them were opening one, then opening two. So there was a ton of opportunity to get moved up quickly because they needed people to run operations. So once I started moving up, eventually it was, you know, I started as front desk. Then I started, you know, doing more leadership type stuff. Eventually I got my own actual um, branch or center, they would call it. And from there, um, I just kept getting, you know, more and more involved. And I didn't learn a ton about business, I'll be honest with you, because I feel like personally, some of the people I worked for were still trying to figure that out themselves. Um, but a franchise was a great way to get my feet in the door without like a ton of experience, because again, I just organically worked my way up. Also, it was good on my resume because at that point it had shown that I had worked for a business and I was, you know, starting to get a little more of my bearings from an administrative standpoint. So after that point, that's when I pursued my first, I would say, big girl job. Um, so I had found, this is back when Craigslist had like legitimate jobs. People are going to be like, what the fuck? You found a job on Craigslist. And I don't know how much advertising that goes on there now is legitimate but you know you could look at Craigslist jobs and I would just apply to a ton of them so I found this company that was a financial company and I essentially decided to throw my hat in the ring so I interviewed for my first job um, and um, you know it was all the way in the Bay Area so I was you know planning on moving back towards closer about an hour away from there and I'll never forget when I got this first job even walking in that place, I was just like, it was culture shock. Everybody was dressed in business attire. Um, it was all straight up adults. And these people were very intimidating and they all had like nice things. And it seemed like they really knew what they were doing. So I was very, very nervous, but having that legitimate company, you know, a financial establishment on, on my resume was going to be so crucial for me. So I was actually driving there like I said, an hour commute um, each way. I was so, so, so broke. When I tell you that uh, <laughs> I didn't have money barely to put, I had money to put gas in my car and that was pretty much it. So I didn't have money for food. Um, it was like bare minimum and I was paying low rent somewhere, but still it was like gas and, and <laughs> gas and rent pretty much and like a little bit of food money. So I was constantly like, spending time with family doing all these things and I remember thinking like there were certain days where I was like I don't know how I'm gonna survive on this um a lot of ramen packets a lot of trips to the 99 cent store etc anyways so as I continue to do that I really again I didn't love it I hadn't really found my passion but I was in the trenches kind of like I was basically an administrative assistant so at being an admin and being young comes with a lot of different grievances, but I continue to work my way up. And then this is where things got interesting. I started to pick out who I could build relationships with that I knew A, saw potential in me, B, liked me, and C, had a need for more. And what I started doing from that point was I found a couple people that I built those relationships with and 
I made it so they would come to me when they decided they needed a bright young person to continue building their team on. And eventually it paid off. So I got an opportunity for a different department within the company. I got to move back to Sacramento for it, make more money. And it was like, that's when things were really getting a little more legit. And from there, I put my time in doing that job. It was stressful and I didn't enjoy it. But again, I was trying to build my resume. So something my CEO, who's one of my mentors, taught me was you always want to look at three different things, three different domains in in your career and rank them from most important to least important. This is something I ask all my employees during my skip levels. Skip levels are basically where I meet with my employees who directly report to one of my directly reports. So they're going a level above their current boss. So we can really talk strategy, et cetera, kind of mix it up because technically, you know, they get a lot of their feedback from their direct leader. So the three domains are money, happiness, and title. And you think about all that in context of a job. And I've prioritized these things over the years. But at this point, title was number one. Money was number two. Happiness was number three, right? Because I needed to get the title to start moving the needle on my resume. Essentially, so companies looked at me and were like, she's important there. She's done something there that I can actually use for my own company. So as my time, you know, over the years started to come to a close at that place, I ended up working in another company and from there using the title of my latest promotion, being able to do that there and making more money. So I essentially was able to say, hey, you know, for an example, you know, I was a project manager, let's say. I'm taking that and I'm applying that and putting things within that role in my description of what I do and trying to find anything that encompasses that was related to project management. So I went from, you know, this kind of admin assistant role front desk to continuing to move up in operations and administrative until I was actually on projects, right? So I was involved with what we did in our overall product. Now, that's just kind of giving you an example. I'm not going to go into like too many details of titles and stuff just for like, um, you know, privacy purposes. I really am not going to try and divulge every single thing that I do. Um, But Essentially, I had built my resume up at that point. And what started happening was from there, I'd spend, you know, a year or two, about two roughly at a company. And then I would take what I had earned during that time. So getting a promotion within that time. So going from like project manager to senior project manager, something like that again. And then talking to the next company that looked like it had an opening. And then from there, I would be working with a higher title because they'd want to offer me what I was at least meet with where I was at or more, number one. And then number two, they're offering me more money because they have a need. So they're like, I'm saying they're telling them I'm making X amount per year. They're going, okay, well, we can give you X amount if you come work for us. And so I continued building my resume that way. And what I will say in terms of this process was you got to get at least a year in. Two years is best. If you're just hopping around every single year, that's not a good look. But as you're building your career a year or two, that's totally fine. What I would say is you want to get a promotion at least once within that time. Now, another thing is title does matter. So if you have a, a lame title where you work, I don't care what anybody else says, change that on LinkedIn, change that on your resume. Now, don't lie about what you're doing, okay? But for instance, where I was at, where I was doing the administrative stuff, at one point I was an executive assistant and they still had me as like admin one. I'm like, no, I'm an executive assistant. I'm changing my title to that. And that gave me so many more opportunities. So just, you know, make sure that you're doing that. 
And obviously when you're going through the interview process of talking to people, the other important thing is that you're really um, listing out your ambition as a reason why you want more. So, you know, sometimes, especially with old, old school companies, they'd be like, well, you've only been there two years. Why, why are you ready to go? And I'm like, I'm so glad you asked that. You know, there's limited movement in this company. They don't plan on expanding their product offerings and range. And I'm seeing myself as someone who can own multiple domains in what I do and contribute within at my company. So I want to keep growing. I have a wonderful relationship with this company and I'm so thankful for the time and, and the mastery and skills it brought me. But now I need more on my plate. I want more on my plate. I want more responsibility. I want more growth. I want more expansion. And I want to aid to building something that's going to be really, really great. So you know, answers like that are going to be helpful for you because then they're like, okay, you're not just like hopping the job. You want to keep growing, right? So playing by the rules totally doesn't ever work when it comes to building your career. It's important that you do good, honest work and you have integrity in your work. But you know, the little things where I think people just assume like, okay, I guess I'll put this on my resume as this title. And I guess I'll just list a couple things. It's like, no, go above and beyond. Like put any single thing that you can imagine that's going to be relevant when you're working on your resume. Go on Canva and get a really good resume template and Make sure that's organized and updated and and um, modern and make sure that you put that information in there. You know, tweak the title a little bit if you need to. So continue to do those things. And while you're looking for companies, I think a lot of times people limit their options. If I've done project management, let's say, I should be looking in any domain possible where I can work within project management. A lot of times I think either people look into fields that they're already used to because they're comfortable there, or what they'll do is they'll look for familiar names or local names, and they won't really push themselves outside of that zone because they'll think to themselves, oh, okay, well, you know, I can apply this here. And if you're looking for another job and you're wanting to grow your career, it's crucial that you are getting a meeting or better title. And it's also crucial that you are making more money when you're doing that. Or else, unless it's a dire circumstance, right, where you immediately need to get a job, something happened, it, it, what's the point of making the shift? If you're just gonna be doing the same thing and earning the same amount of money, right? And that's another thing too is bluffing. Sometimes with money is okay. Now you don't wanna be misleading and, and totally dishonest. Like for instance, I remember having a conversation, negotiation one, and they're like, well, what are you making at your current role? And I remember thinking, that's kind of awkward that you're asking me that. And then I thought about it. I was like, what should I be making? And I had done my research. Like I saw what the median was for um, what I was doing, my exact title. Then obviously when you're searching on the internet unless you have an actual reputable company doing a pay analysis you don't want to go totally off of like what Glassdoor says for instance I thought about in my gut what I thought was was good and that's what I told them and they're like okay we can we can actually add you know a couple thousand onto that and we'll get you started like give me the offer right so be smart about what you're what you're doing and there's a ton of different resources for negotiating pay um a lot of times titles a little more sticky especially if you're in a company that's pretty well established um but negotiating pay having those conversations and making sure that you're elevating yourself is incredibly important another thing i want to say is always find out when you're in the closing process of finding a job what their review process looks like so cadence for raises etc um and then any you know additional monetary opportunities even just asking like hey you have mentioned a bonus structure with this role um are you guys exploring options for a bonus structure does anybody in this department work off of a bonus structure again sometimes they might not give you all this information but you can get as much as possible so little tidbits here and there i feel like it's easier to kind of figure out how to interview and properly negotiate with a lot of resources online because again you're just trying to put your best foot forward so i won't go too much on that 
So uh, where things got like really serious in my career um, and when I, I realized that, you know, I was I was ready to fully elevate was when I joined my company I'm at now. I've been there almost six years and um, I, I could say a million different things about what I do, but I'll keep it short. Um, this company changed my life and no matter what, um, I will always stand behind that. The opportunities and the experiences and the... Um, the risk they've taken on me has just been such a blessing. And I also have been so lucky to meet a few of my best friends there. Like for life will stand next to me one day when I get married. I love you guys so much. So um, also they might have to carry my grave or my my coffin, excuse me, <laughs> if I if I die. So also, sorry, I, I know, I know the depressing. Why did I have to go there? But, you know, I, it, as you can tell, I'm very, very much in love with what I do now. The subject matter of what I do, the industry I'm in, is that my number one passion and interest? No. Okay. Um, but my role, what I do, which is, you know, I'm an executive uh, people leader at my company, is what I am passionate about. And I never thought years and years back when I was, you know, managing projects and customers that I was going to get to where I was at. But it took strategy in figuring out how to work the system. So let's say you're at a company or you have your eyes on a company that is going to really, um, you feel like be your end game or, you know, a good amount of your game there. Right. And some of the things you want to look at is obviously, like I said, compensation, the quality of people that you're going to be working with, the company's reputation, their plans for, um, enhancement and expansion within their their product suite and or their offerings um the way they're trending if you know if they're ipo if they're not um things that are going to be crucial to you obviously benefits etc like you're really looking at something and going okay is this something i believe in and i want to invest in and that's how i felt when i interviewed for my company now granted i interviewed for my company actually eight years ago almost um when i originally interviewed they were a very small startup and I already had experience in my field. Um, what they were offering for just starting out the team versus where I was at wasn't a total match. So we agreed that we'd check in, you know, every, every so often until they had more growth and an opportunity for me. It was really an incredible story. Essentially on the anniversary of two years of the um, interview, I reached out to um, the COO at the time and he had the recruiter call me the next day I was in interviewed I got a job offer it, so it was really really serendipitous and amazing um but again that kind of goes back to what I said it was standing my ground on, on getting a better or more title and better or more pay so at the time it wasn't right for me but once I got there it worked out now once you actually get into a company where you're feeling like you're bought in the most important thing is going to be as listed number one immersing yourself in the culture now this is crucial because essentially when you're immersing yourself in the culture, you're not only learning about it, but you're becoming a household name at the company, right? So for instance, if you're getting involved and in showing up to things and you're, you know, attending meetings, even if they're, they're optional. And if you are building relationships with people all over the organization, right? You're not just staying in your bubble within your department. People are going to be like, oh yeah, yeah. I talked to that live girl. She's, she's she seems really motivated. Like she seems really cool. They won't be able to shake your name. So being there, being present. Now, what I will say is you also want to be very, very, um, 
smart about this. A lot of times I think what happens is people will jump around and, and, and either it can look like they're not actually interested in their role or their department to start with. You always invest in your role, um, your colleagues directly within your department, your leader as a starter. But as you continue to do that, you gain those relationships. Um, you you earn you know that trust and you have that kind of... Um, bond going and then that's where you start really building more with people around your company um so that's the first thing just a side note so once you're actually immersed more in the culture the second thing is you're going to constantly find ways to ensure that you're adding value to not only your department and what you do but your company so you know having those conversations if you're starting a job and you don't have a skip level with your direct leader or excuse me a, a, a just a one-on-one um i'm in skip level land right now because it's q4 uh, if you're not having one-on-ones with your leader at least once a month, you ask for those. I would say once every other week or once every week is even better for a new person. I'd, I'd really argue once a week. Um, so if you if they don't do that off the bat, you say, hey, I'd really like to ensure that we're aligned and I'm meeting expectations and I'm progressing as I should. I'd like to do a one-on-one with you once a week. What's, what's the best day on your calendar? And I'll get it booked for us. So making sure that you're constantly a value add, learning from the people you work closely to. And you're going to work with some people. You're going to be like, I do not want to be like you but just even hearing and 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 learning where you can is going to be so crucial because when people feel like you listen to them um they they equate that with respect right so earning that respect and and hearing people's perspectives right that have been there longer than you and of course just going above and beyond in your job so your first year at your company should be like you're like that's like the honeymoon like you're you're falling in love and you're like honeymoon part of a relationship right like you're like wow every day it's like you're 110 percent. you're showing up the roses now it doesn't mean after a year you just drop off but after a year you you know that you've established where you're at and i'd say a year is like where you know okay here's my goals here's what i want to do and here's what i think i'm capable of so i'd say around the year mark that's when you start having conversations with your leader and basically being like, here's my plan for growth because you don't want to seem like you don't want to do your role for that long. Now, granted, an exception here is if things start coming up and you're being told you're mastering your skill and et cetera, and you feel like you're ready, um, you know that you're hitting above and beyond everything in your role. That's where you can say, hey, I really, you know, I want, I want to get into the next challenge here. Otherwise, and not everybody works at that same pace. So here's a good way to look at it. Um, that's also a requirement we have at our company. You got to put in around a year with us in a department and in a role. And then from there, we'll invest in you continually. So if you want to, you know, we kind of become an engineer next or something like that, we can really work with you. So you look at your skill set. You really highly identify, hey, I know that I excel here, here, and here. These are the things that really motivate me. These are the things that make me feel connected to the company's purpose. These are the, the, these are the things that I know the company needs from me and can benefit from. So here's where I see myself next. Can we put together a plan? What does that look like? When do you see an opening coming? What do you need from me to accomplish to make that happen, et cetera? Now, a lot of times that might be within your department. So for instance, I go back to like the generic title project manager, then that's gonna be senior project manager, or project manager one or two, or let's say you're customer facing, like you're an account manager, and then you're gonna go to, you know, key accounts, something like that. So you're building, right? You're, you're in development, you're QA, right? And then you're QA one, QA2, like um, accounting, you know, uh, billing, billing assistant to billing manager, whatever. So you're you're pushing to get that next kind of uh, step in your career. 
Now, those things that I listed are crucial for you to talk about. So you should, within a year, in my opinion, be moving up to another position or planning to be moving up to another position. You don't want to get stagnant. So a promotion within a year, I think, is very, very appropriate. I don't like when people stay in one position too long, especially if it's an entry level one, unless it's more senior. Um, at that point, you want to show that ambition. You want to try it. And of course, there's more, more, more money there. So why would you not do that? So growing that title, like I said, is huge because, again, that gives you more opportunities. So from there, once you get that promotion, a lot of times you want to get at least one within the department you're in, um, unless there's very limited growth there. And from there, you rock that next one, right? So at that point, you kind of earn some clout, you know what you're doing, but you continue to stay on your toes. At that point, that's where you dive more into your relationships with leaders. So you've already proven, number one, that you've been at the company long enough for them to take you seriously. And number two, you've gotten a promotion. So that's where you start eyeing out leaders. Now, again, here's the way I look this is you're not going all of them saying I'm interested in your department you start to build relationships with them so they look at you as someone who's reliable you become again you continue to become a household name especially within the leadership group they're like man that person's really great right or hey like I've got my mind on this person for for the future um so you continue to build those relationships specifically if there's another department or avenue you want to get involved in that's where you really hammer in with the relationship there now these could be two opposite sides of the business so you might not interact with what you do versus what what they do, but you continue to make that time. So even if it's as simple as like a, hey, you know, if someone's coming to me, hey, Liv, I'd love to pick your brain and just learn more. You know, they don't have to say full on, I want you to be my mentor or, you know, hey, I'd love to pick your brain. I've got a couple of things I want to talk to you about that I, I'm, I'm really interested in with the company that I think we could look at. That could be in direct correlation of what they do, or at least as, as long as it's in the ballpark of their knowledge, can I take you out the coffee? And you try and get that once a month on the books, right? Building those relationships. And also from there, if you haven't already, because you've kind of been keeping your head down, building internal relationships, getting good at your job, that's when you should try and get some time in the books with VP. P's, C-suite, et cetera. So even if, if it's just a quick meeting of like, hey, you know, I've, I want to let you know, been here for a year. This is what I've, uh, this is what I've benefited from within the company. Um, these are the things I'm really excited about. And I'd love to hear more just about you in general. And also like, you know, get any words of wisdom from you on what you see for our next quarter or next year or et cetera, right? So come up with a list of creative questions and conversation. You don't want to just go sit with them and talk their ear off about, I want to do this and I want to do that. Like that's more for your direct leader or mentor. Um, it's, it, you want to have more strategic conversations and you also don't want to just bullshit and small talk like a lot of times one thing I've learned especially as I've grown in leadership is like we're very big picture thinkers so when we have small talk it like really it's it does it's not beneficial it doesn't really it doesn't really um encourage us to invest more in the conversation so big picture is really important and someone that I um, recently have started to see grow that I gave some um, wisdom and mentorship opportunities to, you know, I noticed at my company, I noticed that he, while he was in a different department, he approached building a relationship with me the best way possible. It was just like, I've heard you've done a lot of stuff here and I just love to hear a little bit more from you and any words of wisdom. And it was a great conversation. He continued to follow up with me. I saw him strategically build those relationships, gain the respect of his team, kill it in his role. And now he's already been promoted in less than a year. I think it was six months. So things like that are gonna be really important. Now, once you're in year two, that's where you really need to get serious about what you wanna do within your company. So 
that could be, and when I say within your company, that could also be at another company, okay? So just hear me out. You should have an idea of exactly what you want to get done. So something that is troubling for me is when I have a meeting with someone and I'm talking to them about, okay, like what's the next year look like? What do you, because I'm big on growing people. Like, what do you want to do? How do you want to contribute? Like, where do you want to go? What's going to make you happy when you think about that money title and happiness? Thinking on the, on the H, okay? Like what's going to, what's going to make you happy and feel fulfilled within your job, right? Um, you should be pretty sure about what you want to do in, in an organization. So do you want to be customer facing? Do you want to be internal facing? You look at any department, right? So you can look at, I'm in tech, product, um, engineering, accounting, um, customer success, uh, you know, going through these different opportunities, you know, and then the basic stuff like HR, accounting, partnerships, all this stuff. You have to think about what it is you want to do and do the things that you want to do fulfill you. So for instance, you could be like, I was customer facing and it drained me. I didn't want to be customer facing. I'm very passionate about internal employees. I'm a passionate person when it comes to mentorship, growing and keeping, I'm very big on like keeping operations tight. Um, so for me, even though I was good customer facing, I didn't actually really love that. And I didn't see myself going that way. Um, and internally in my heart, I knew I wanted to be a leader. I would look at the way things were run. I'm like, if we did this and we did that and we talked to this person, this and we invested in person and we tried this and we launched this initiative, like our company could really grow. So my heart spoke to me very loudly after a couple of years of doing what I did at my current company. About two years in, I knew. Um, and so think about those things, get serious about it. And that's where you really hammer in on building a pathway, building a relationship with that specific leader for that department and um, getting aggressive about what you're going to do within their um, department and at the company. So again, that's that's going to be for growth. Now, if it's a semi-lateral move, the big conversation you need to have with yourself is, is this ultimately going to end up being a bigger career opportunity? So I once had someone that I mentored and, and that directly reported to me at some point um, that went from our customer facing, one of my customer facing departments to um, accounting. And it was kind of a lateral move when she first did it because she was just doing like basic billing. But now she's grown in a career in finance and accounting. So it really worked out for her, right? Thinking about what that's going to look like for you and strategically understanding that is huge. Now, if it's not within your current company, if you're looking at an outside opportunity, it goes back to what I said. So you're going in and you're, you're really looking... When you're going to leave a company, you want to learn from that. Every single time you leave, it should be a learning experience and you should evolve from there. So the things that you loved about your company, you should not compromise on somewhere else. So if you really loved that they had a great cadence of communication with the company, that's something you need to have in your next place. If you really love the fact that you work directly with your leader often, that's something you need for the next place, right? So you want to level up. If I were to ever leave my company, man, that'd have to be a pretty remarkable company that I go to because there's so many things that I have and value there but you always 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 want to level up and then from there it goes right back to what I talked about so you know you have the growth and the um, promotions etc to show for it the progression of your um, skill sets and uh from there, you're basically going, okay, great. So I'm going to go in here. I'm going to negotiate for more. I'm going to see what the direct trajectory is to build. And from there, you're basically making a decision to grow your career from there. 
The most powerful person is someone who understands their strengths. I fully, fully believe that, but is also really aware of their areas where they're weakened so that you can lean on the things you are good at. A lot of times people are like, well, no, work out your weakness. And it's good to be aware of those things and understand, hey, this is like not my strongest point. And I, I need to definitely be cognizant of this. And I need to take opportunities when I can to like exercise this muscle more but in terms of your day-to-day like find out what you're really good at where people need you and pine over you and like put your foot on the pedal there now something I didn't mention is if you know that you want a career and maybe you started entry level within a company right so one thing for my company is like our support team right it's a great way to get your foot in the door but someone might not want to be support forever, right? There's a lot of times it's, unless you're in leadership, it's entry level, you know, department and opportunity. There's nothing wrong with that. That's That builds some of our strongest people, but you know that you want to eventually be an engineer or developer. Well, great. So then you do everything that I said, you kill it in your role and you get a plan. You start building that relationship with that other leader or leaders, so to speak, and you start an entry level role in engineering and you work your way up from there. You absolutely crush it. You work your way up from there. And a lot of people don't realize that if you do things from an entry level standpoint, you don't need a certain degree or accolades to do those things. Now, there are careers where you specifically, you know, I'm not talking about specialized careers where you specifically need a degree. So, for instance, you're not going to go into a hospital and be like, I didn't go to medical school, but I want to be a doctor. Right. Like there's we're not talking about that. Um, And that kind of goes to my next point. If you want to make good money and if you want to progress your career quickly, you need to get into tech. Our lives revolve around tech. Tech is everything. Tech is our reality. And a lot of the times I think when people get into either, um, you know, small businesses that are like brick and mortar businesses or, and or um, kind of franchise situations or, you know, um, household names what can happen is those companies can a be really big and have a lot of um like heavy weight there so basically they've got a ton of different roles so it kind of almost is like a a devalue to you because you might be one of how many project managers and you're not really getting um direct insight into what the company's vision is and what what the opportunities are um so i'd always say something a little slimmer is better like 200 employees or less um or somewhere within that range 250 300 whatever um that's the first thing the second thing is with some like brick and mortar smaller places it's like you have very limited growth right um and then with other like household name type things it's like you know you're not gonna see a lot of innovation and or um and or expansion within these companies. So I'll, I'll hear from someone like, oh, I work at this company and they do, you know, benefits for X. And it's kind of like, okay, that's what they do. That's what they're always going to do, right? Um, with tech, I think a lot of people think of tech and they're like, oh, I have to be a computer whiz, which no, <laughs> you don't. Like you don't have to be super technical to be in tech. You can be someone who supports the tech in a different way. Like the people in my accounting department don't use our software, right? But they like, they help build towards that. Our HR doesn't use our software at all. But again, there's people who are directly support the people within the tech company who do those things. So there are other options. I would really err on more of a side of don't be intimidated, even if you have to start a little more entry. Getting into tech, especially a company that is innovative, has plans for expansion, 
especially if it's in like the mid beginning, uh, midway, not beginning, midway stages of being a startup. In the very beginning, that can be really exciting. I've done it before, but there's a lot of risk there because the company can close down. Um, and that can kind of be abrupt, especially if you've got a home, you know, rent or mortgage, et cetera. You maybe don't want to gamble there. When someone's at more of the mid age of being a startup, um, they've got a bit more of their bearing. They've, they've established a name for themselves. And, you know, even if it's, I would say four or so years in, at that point, you can go, okay, like they're doing something and I want to be a part of it. And that's actually a great time to get involved. I got involved with my company when we were still a startup. Now we're owned by a, I'm halfway by a very big corporation that's incredibly successful, but we're still like this kind of cool, like, um, we're like this cool, like stepchild. I don't know how to really explain it, like the edgy stepchild. Uh, so getting involved with a startup is great because it's scrappy and there's a lot of opportunities. You have to build things from the bottom up so you can be a pillar within that company. So, you know, with the with the team that I joined when I first started my company, it was like there was a few of us and we're like, you know, building these really crucial relationships that are funding our company. And it was great because that's how you made a name for yourself. Like you became an OG in that moment. But tech specifically, even if it's not a startup, is is so expansive and um, constantly evolving and just has a ton of opportunities. So I would say if you want to get into a six-figure career, get into tech. And again, this is speaking to people who didn't go to school to be a lawyer, who didn't go to school to be a doctor, who didn't go to school to be an engineer, et cetera. Specifically, like you're walking into a job and you're directly become an engineer. A lot of times you can become an engineer with taking classes as you start an entry level role, just for just for um, further purposes. If anybody wants to do that and that's kind of discouraging to hear for them, you can definitely work your way up at the right company. I've seen it done with so many people that I originally mentored and led and I'm very proud of all of them. So I would say the money is gonna be in tech and the opportunities are gonna be there. Now, if you're thinking, well, how do I find a career in tech or with a startup? There's a company called AngelList that's amazing. It has all kinds of companies. It shows insights into what their funding looks like, um, what their product looks like and what they're looking for. So I would say that's one of the first things that you could look into. Also, you could just use Google, like simple Google searches, hot tech companies right now, biggest you know startups in my state, et cetera, like, or biggest remote startups that are hiring. So looking at biggest tech companies that are hiring or new startup tech companies, like different array of words, try it out. Like you will see a lot of opportunities and um, you can really grow your career from there. Now, what I will say is once you get serious about what you're good at and what you do, that's where you work towards mastery. So for me, once I knew that I was meant to be a leader, I went full gauge ahead. And I had a moment of doubt where I was like, maybe it's time to leave the company after a couple of years. I didn't want to do what I did anymore. Thankfully, I had a leader who, um, our, our, our former chief operating officer, our COO, who saw something in me and was like, you definitely need to go for this leadership role was for a department head. It was a very, you know, scary thing because I didn't have this expansive experience of being a leader. I didn't have departments under me. The people that were coming in for from like big companies like Cisco and, um, you know, these other companies that are very similar to that. Uh, and, you know, I ended up getting it because I put my heart and my um, soul into it. I had poured into relationships so the people in that apartment trusted me and wanted me to be their leader. And more than anything, I had become a name that people couldn't forget and couldn't shake at my company. So a lot of times, if you've done the work that I'm telling you about, you will be someone that people will take risks on. And then from there, that's how you really grow your, your career. So... A lot of times where I see 
friends and people that I know that get stagnant. It's like they work at a company, they do what they do. They try to push for more during the raises. Listen, an average company um, gives a, a nominal percentage raise throughout the year. If you're just relying on raises to grow your career, it's not going to grow your career. You have to take risks and you have to be really, really motivated to continue getting promoted and continue to take on new projects. That is the best way for you to grow your career. Because if you're looking at, even if you're getting an average American percentage increase year over year, your your career is not going to be impacted much and you're definitely not going to financially grow. You have to take risks and you also have to make sure that, yeah, it's it's nice to have stability, but are you, are you sacrificing a life that's going to be so much better quality for stability when you can actually have stability somewhere else. It's almost like you get caught in the motions. You're like, well, I know how to do my job and I get paid enough, even though I definitely feel like I'm underpaid and like my job can really be boring or really frustrating. It's like, okay, then look at your other options and take a risk and do something. I think that ultimately the power for us to make more money is in our hands. Now, when I'm speaking to you guys as people who live in America, who are, you know, in a place where you can get on a device right now and listen to this. And obviously for some people in our country and a good amount of them, they don't have all the opportunities in the world, whether they're, you know, challenged with, um, some of the the trauma that they've endured in their life or maybe are struggling with a disability um, and or are, are in a place where they don't really have the devices to get to that next point. Um, so again, this isn't like a everybody can do this. But if you're in a place where you're able to work and you have any any type of um, place where you have you know shelter um, food etc and a, a starting grounds you can do this like I said I mean I was living in a really small room um, you know I had no financial options otherwise no support um, you know I was n- not eating very much um, you know I had a rundown car that was getting the point of not running etc and I'm not gonna lie to you it was hard and I had to do grunt work and it was not fun and I think about those days but man I respect the shit out of that girl because that girl ended up doing what I'm doing now and I did all myself but I used my brain and I used my skill sets and I used my charm and I used my relationship building and also I didn't play by the rules I didn't sit there and put myself in a box now I could have stayed at that first company and I could have relied on those annual you know raises and I could have continued to climb slowly within that company and I can guarantee you now I wouldn't even see half the success I have at this point I had to take risks, I had to put myself out there. So I hope that this aids you with some uh, good amount of ammo to continue to build your career and grow. There's no singular way, anybody who says, well, you can make six figures and this is what you do. Sure. Yes, absolutely. Like there's certain ways you can do that. And a lot of times those are a stressful compromise. Personally, for me, you know, I, when friends talk about certain investments, et cetera, that's not who I am. I don't take risks in that way. Right. I'm talking about taking risks that I feel are are calculated and, or, um, have a, a little more stability to them. I super respect people who have been able to make money quickly from taking big risks, but for some of us, that's not for us, and that's okay. Um, but anytime you hear that, I really want you to think about this is a progression and an involvement, and it takes making your career your priority. And and I will say that my company, my career is my life in the sense of like, this is when I wake up every day and I think about what's important to me, my my values and spiritual beliefs, 
my family, obviously, you know, including my cats, my, they're my kids, right? But like my career, like that is my priority. I prioritize that over pretty much anything else. Um, and that has gotten me far. Now, again, if you're not someone who's super career driven and that's okay, by the way, you don't lose your value because you're not career driven and you just want something stable and easy. Great. Go back to the beginning of what I said, find a company that matches certain things and, and offer certain things and go there and get a job and rock it. And that's okay. But at least put yourself out there to do more. At least put yourself out there to check out a company that's maybe a little, uh, a little more out of your comfort zone. And you could really, really see yourself soar and fly and probably still make more money. But ultimately, mastery and hustle and focus are the keys. Um, taking those things, going full force, being aggressive, and again, prioritizing your career, not just showing up every day, but going above and beyond, it will pay off. Yes, it's tiring sometimes. Yes, you'll probably take a lot of naps and you know, you'll know you have up and downs through that. But I promise, I promise, I promise it is worth it. I cannot tell you how grateful I am, like I said, for what I do, but the quality of life I've had. Um, you know, I never imagined... Being the daughter of two immigrants and seeing a lot of financial distress and up and downs my entire life, you know, not coming from a family of college attendees and or graduates, um, myself not graduating college, I always felt like I was less than or, or I wasn't going to make it the way that other people around me made it. And then I really realized that it didn't have to be that way. I didn't need a fucking degree to become successful. Um, and I certainly didn't need to play by the rules to become successful. And, you know, I've been able to find what I believe to be success and happiness. And sure, I still have a lot of goals, right? I want to eventually, I've talked about the COO position. I eventually want to be a COO at a company. Um, but I'm 31 years old. I've got plenty of time and I'm going to keep kicking ass and taking opportunities as I can until that point. But, um, just know like there was a lot of odds stacked against me um and there was times where I had imposter syndrome I'm like damn I take an antidepressant every day and like my like families you know like got like my direct family doesn't have this like business uh, prestige business experience and all this stuff and like it was hard um but you know pushing myself and envisioning myself as the woman that I wanted to be it got me so much further so with that being said, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I can't wait to talk to you all soon. And just believe in yourself. I know that sounds like I'm giving you a cheesy mama bear quote, but it's true. Like, just believe in yourself. Take a risk. Look at yourself. Find your strengths. Um, and, and give yourself an opportunity to have a better quality life. And I promise you, you won't regret it. This is Tears of a Clown. I'm Liv, and I'll talk to you real soon.